Too Many Jennifers, the podcast by Jennifers for everyone. I'm one of your hosts, Jen, apparently incredibly psychic, Tisdale. (laughs) And I am your other host, less psychic, but confirmed married, Jenny Caballero. Those two things are interchangeable. You you can be one or the other, I think. You can be a confirmed (laughs) psychic or confirmed married mm-hmm. and we've assigned our own roles here today yeah. hello so congrats congratulations you, you are married i am married i'm a married person i am married possibly to you i haven't looked at the paperwork yeah, that closely I, because i officiated your wedding i did sneak some uh some language in there that suggests that we <laughs> I, we are all betrothed it's ambiguous it's a it's a modern world it's a modern life yeah. or modern jennifers so it was very subliminal <laughs> i felt it, it it was lovely it was a lovely wedding Thank it was you. it was it during like hurricane ian adjacent ish mm-hmm. it did yeah the hurricane tried to ruin the vibes didn't work hurricane mm-hmm. It was edging your wedding, but it never, it was, <laughs> never yeah. fully entered your wedding. Thank gosh. Yes. Thank you. And you know, we had a lovely time when people ask me how it was. I say, well, it rained all day. And everyone says, that's good luck. That's they good luck. That. And everything else was amazing. It was perfect. You were a wonderful officiant. Mm-hmm. You did successfully reference the back to the future franchise, which sure we did. appreciated. <laughs> Sure did. People are like, is that, is that a romantic franchise? I didn't know. And I was like, I guess you just need to have a romantic heart. (laughs) Like us. Uh It was perfect. It was perfect. It was lovely. We were all crying a lot. Yes. My favorite part was uh, Michael standing in front of me. I said his name. Is that okay? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's been named. Thank you. Michael standing in front of me and I have the script that you've given me. And I, it occurred to me that I don't know how to say his last name. And then I, <laughs> I couldn't remember if it's in the script. And I said, how do you say, I'm standing there. We're waiting. And I was like, how do you say your last name? Should I be at this? Should I be officiating this? I do not know how to say your last name. That's yeah. fine. Last names are like phone numbers. People just don't know them anymore. I don't think we even said it in the ceremony because we're not, and I'm not going to say his last name on here because he has therapy clients who, I don't know, maybe they're listening, but they're not. They, they could be his last name is it is doesn't sound like it's spelled at mm-hmm. all and also we're not mr and mrs unified last name so we didn't need to say it, it was like mr and mrs jenny and michael <laughs> yeah I'm, well you guys took 
my last name. So, oh uh, yeah, we did yeah, do that. That's that was, traditional mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. in this part of uh, the United States. Yeah. And the, and the lower, in the lower 48, that's yeah. pretty, that's pretty traditional. Particularly in Northern Virginia, in this set of uh, this, this particular plot of land, mm-hmm. uh, it was actually in our contract. So yeah. mm-hmm. we're all on the same page. You know, we me. are the Jennifer's Tisdale. <laughs> <laughs> That's the dream. Actually, Michael did consider taking my last name. It is a fun last name. Thank you. Because uh, I, I was not personally interested. I I don't dislike his last name. I just wasn't personally interested in changing my name and he considered it briefly. And then we just decided it's too much paperwork, you know, let's just be ourselves and be married. And that's what we are. But I also want to bring up the Jennifer of it all, because you also did a very nice thing for us for our wedding. I was like, this is the podcast for that. What? What you could it be? Invited the mm. dear, the grossly talented and yeah. kind and lovely mm-hmm. Margot McDonald. Yeah. Gross is the word. <laughs> She's so gross. <laughs> She's pretty fucking disgustingly talented. Yeah, terrifyingly talented. If this is if the, the theme of this episode is uh, a slight nod to Halloween, she is scarily talented. Hauntingly beautiful. Uh, yes. All of the all of the many lovely things you could say about a person. She came and you arranged for her to play a few songs at the reception, which was a remarkably lovely thing to do. And she was incredible. She played a song by our dear friend, Jenny Lewis. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. And a magnetic field song, The Book of Love. Very romantic. Made me cry. And then... Closed out the show with the greatest song of all time. The, the theme song yeah. <laughs> to this podcast. Much to the great confusion. <laughs> I don't think anyone there knew we had a podcast. Uh, I think uh, about two people there listened. Somebody to went, while. somebody mouthed podcast. And podcast? I, was like, I was like, sorry, we brought you all here to these are once again, you know, we do everything for those downloads. Downloads. I that's got why I got married. Yeah. And personally. that's why I was assaulted. So, you know, this all- is. All for those downloads. Got to yeah. get those downloads. The DL heard about it. It's the downloads. Heard about it. It's the downloads. We spent lots of money on this wedding so that we could get a few downloads. Yeah. My mom definitely listens, and one of my sisters. I won't mm. name which one because I, I don't want to shame the other. But I know which one is not. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and we danced like there was no tomorrow to that theme song, and it was gorgeous and beautiful and touching and I loved every moment of it and Margot stayed and enjoyed some coffee and donuts I will say the children did not enjoy the musical performance because the caterers brought out the wall of donuts oh and then Margot started playing and they had to just stare at the donuts (laughs) I know what a great backdrop to perform it was gorgeous But it's hard when you're a kid to stare at dessert while something is happening that you're not interested in. Mm -hmm. But everyone had a marvelous time. We laughed, we cried. Do you want to hear about some, like some sad, not drama, but like our table. So I sat, I was at the comics table, which was very nice to, um, to file me under that uh, little category after all these years. Uh, And uh, we didn't know 
about how food was going to go, but because I am gluten-free, somebody very kindly brought my plate out to me. And it felt very much like, who's this special little gal who can't, <laughs> who can't have good bread anymore. They were just like, milady, you're gluten-free uh, plate. And then uh, Jennifer, the other Jennifer at the table with me, who's actually the only non-comic. So this is still a Jennifer still staying on theme. She went up and got her food and the caterers were just all a flutter. They, they did not, they're like, the guy made a joke. He was like, well, this one couldn't wait, but it had just oh. <laughs> like a, just a hint of like, oh, okay. It feels like maybe like we're in trouble. Like the whole rest of the meal, we were just like, oh, you're we're we in trouble. In this, trouble? Is, this is not okay. He was sure not okay. Were in trouble. No, you we know. weren't, but it was very like, and I, and I just thought to myself, you know, I understand making it table by table if it's like a 400 person wedding, but there's like 40 people here. I bet we, yeah. all, I bet we could all get in line. Yeah. But- well, they brought us our food first. They plated our food for us. And then we got to just watch everyone sit and wonder what to do while we ate, yeah. <laughs> which I-, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to eat. I'm going to let people figure it out. Well, it was, so. well, that once again, proving that we were married because you guys got your food. I got mm-hmm. my food and we yeah. all ate together and everyone else is just like, I, I guess we'll get yelled or, at by the caterers. <laughs> I mean, I would go up and get it too. And I'm yeah. no, I'm sure no one was bad. So no, no, not really, but it was very sassy. And we're all just like, are we in trouble? table. So yeah. So it was lovely. And that's that. We had a great time. It was two weeks ago. Now I feel like I'm finally just feeling rested. Which is funny because I feel like when I say that, people assume I was hungover when there was no alcohol present. It but would I, be it, weird though to still be hungover for two yeah, weeks. For two weeks, <laughs> I know. I know we're all getting a little older. Yeah, it's actually why I had to quit drinking is because my hangovers lasted for two weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a great time. Yeah. I mean, I'd do it again. There's a yeah. siren. They're yep. they're celebrating with us. So. Yep. Yeah. I also, I have to report something to you. And then I want to talk about your day, which is that, and I don't want us to give any overt spoilers, but Michael and I did watch the first episode of interview, interview with, the, with vampire. the vampire. Okay. And you could not have been more excited. and, and We loved. loved it so much. It's Jenny. I have a couple of questions for you. Just I, yeah, I am very overwhelmed by the, the thought of it, but go ahead. Yes. I loved it so much. It was so well done. It was gorgeous. I thought Eric Bogosian, he's looking a little like Anthony Bourdain these days. Love him. Love to a great see, job. Love to see somebody move into that role. Yes. It's, you know, we needed mm-hmm. it. He's a, he's great. I mean, the casting I thought is impeccable. It's so gay. It's the gayest and I love it so much. We were so happy about that. My question is how gay is the source material? And also how did they not make the 1994 movie gay? Okay. The source material is um, there's gay tension. Yeah. There's there's like obsession. There's reading between the lines. You, anyone who read that book and who is not a piece of shit and all the whole series understood, understood the assignment. No, understood that Lestat and Louis were in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Anne Rice's background is that she is, was Catholic, very Catholic. So Mm -hmm. Catholic, in fact, that she once bought a church in New Orleans. And I don't know, I think that I know she's no longer with us, but I can't remember if it was still in her possession at the time of her death. And I want to say no. 
That's I feel okay. like you would you would also buy a Catholic church in New Orleans, but like to make it something fun. Yes, yes, yes. Rebranding is my game. Uh, and for a while, she was a lapsed Catholic. And when that happened, I remember her very clearly saying she would never write about the Vampire Chronicles again. And I found that to be interesting. But then she kind of returned to Catholicism and and returned to the Vampire Chronicles. So it's it's I find it interesting that there is a connection there. But you might maybe you already know this, and and people listening to this will might already know this. But the reason why she wrote the book uh, was because she lost her daughter. She had a daughter named Michelle. She died at the age of five. I believe it was a form of cancer. And what happens in the books and what's going to happen in the show starting tonight is a young girl is made into a vampire. Now in the books, she's five years old. Her name is Claudia. On the show, she's going to be about 16. And I get and, it. And is that Kirsten Dunst in the That's Kirsten movie? Dunst in the original. She's also a little bit older than the original Claudia. So it's very, you see that through line very clearly. Ah, lost my daughter. Here's a book about a child that lives forever. Mm-hmm. But um, it's very much like tense like that. Now I, I, I've said about this. Oh God, you really opened it up. Okay, we're not going to get too far into it. It was just the wrong time. 1994 was yeah. still very much at the tail end, if not inside of the AIDS crisis, tail end-ish. That was still happening. All of that was still happening. We're lucky that we got what we got, I think, mm-hmm. from Brad Pitt and uh, Tom Cruise. So crazy to say those two. So crazy that they were in that movie. Now, obviously, I was very in love with Brad Pitt. But back then, for many Legends of the Fall slash interview with the vampire related reasons, that was when he was his best. Mm -hmm. Um, Sounds like he's maybe not that great. Not so great. Hearing some stuff. Um, Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Mhm. I like shouted when they said Storyville. <laughs> Yeah, everything I know about New Orleans and Storyville is because of you. And there was so much that I was like, oh, I know about that. <laughs> it's just, it's, they're doing so many smart things. And yeah. you, if you're watching it, if you're watching it, obviously not live, there's a behind the scenes episode that you can watch that's talking about everyone's just very uh, respectful of the source material. And yeah. actually, why they, while they were filming, this is when Anne Rice died. So that's a, they were cognizant of that. It's just, it's really just, good. It's so perfect. Everyone that I know who loves her is, is obsessed with it. Only racist weirdos have to have issues, you know, little As mermaid usual. style. Yeah. As you usual. Know? And it's like, again, once again, vampires aren't real. <laughs> These people are not real. They, they can be anything. And this, the actor who's playing Louis, I just, Oh my God. I, I could watch him. I could watch him. For, I mean, yes, Lestat is very traditionally gorgeously sexy yeah. whatever, like hunky, hunky hunky but god damn this actor playing louis my he was on game of thrones as well mm-hmm. mm. yeah 
Mm-mm, and this, mm-mm. I mean, his range in the first episode alone is stunning. Oh, the the confessionals, the confessionals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, everyone, please, I may cut out a few of the more spoilery things Sorry. you mentioned. That's okay, just for the sake, because I think a lot of people don't have the AMC channel actually. So, we signed up for AMC Plus to watch it because you get a free month, and we're like, okay, well, we'll pay for it for like a month because it's so good. So it is. it's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, but I want to ask about your day because you had a spooky day. I did. Your home was was transformed into mm-hmm. the den of a psychic. Yeah, the den of a psychic. Uh, my mother had a psychic party. This is not the first psychic party she's had. The last time, though, I was 14. So it has. Oh. Can you hold on? Wait, can you hear that? Lorraine is snoring. <laughs> I can hear it a little bit. Can't do anything about that. I'm just going to have to have that as background. Um, it's fine. It adds color. <laughs> Yeah. So we had a psychic. We might be able to even maybe have her on because I believe her first name is Gwen. Oh, she's a friend of the family. (laughs) We could could stretch, stretch the genosphere to include if it's like a Guinevere, I doubt it. So yeah, she's a medical medium. I had no idea. Interesting. Didn't know that. Uh, And uh, it was, it was honestly, most of the time I'm just having a good time when I go to a psychic they're not really saying much. It's, you know, I want to believe in it. I do believe in it, but I've never met anyone who's really made me feel like, okay, but maybe this is very real. I know we had our, with the medium and Mm -hmm. and that felt very real to me when the medium was talking about your dad's ring. Yeah. That was, that was pretty, that was pretty intense. And it was very much like this. It's, it's hard to explain this, the, the experience because she, she sort of, uh, the way she speaks is interesting. The way she communicates is interesting. Uh, I asked her about some work projects that I'm working on and, uh, you know, some personal stuff. I asked her a couple of questions for some friends. I didn't ask you if you had anything to say, cause I felt you were happy enough. So I feel pretty, I feel pretty <laughs> sad. I have a friend who's been trying to get pregnant for seven months mm-hmm. and I asked about that. And then I have another friend who's really looking to maybe find a partner. And I asked about that for those two. Yeah. Those, those are big, big things. Yeah. So, and she said, she said this thing about my grandmother. She said, uh, your grandmother tiptoes around here a lot. And I was like, I don't care for that. What? She goes, well, she doesn't want to wake you. And I was like, I also do not want to be woken up by my dead grandmother on that. We can both agree. Um, and there was a lot that she said, I recorded it. It's, it's, it doesn't sound interesting. It doesn't sound like I'm selling her, but I, I do yeah. it was very specific, which yeah. I find to be the key. So the first thing she said, and now that I thought, now that I know she's a medical medium, this makes more sense. Cause she's, when I sat down, she's, she's immediately said, when you're 53 to 55, you, you need to start watching your blood pressure. Your blood pressure is going to go up, but it's genetic. And it is. And I know that's genetic for a lot of people not blowing any minds, but the specificity of talking about when you get to age 53 Mm -hmm. and then to 55, you should, you need to pay attention to your blood pressure. Mm -hmm. She also asked me, the first thing she said was, have you ever gone by another name in Jenny? (laughs) I I laughed because I thought, oh no, is she talking about when I called myself Guinevere? She is is talking about your run fair days. (laughs) I was like, I said, no. And I was like laughing to myself, but here's what she did say. And I, I, you know, I'm going to, this information's whatever this information is. And then later on, she seems to believe that I'm going to be married in two years. And that's why the, Mm. 
-hmm. we'll just call them the spirits. That's not what she called them. They were insistent that I would be going by another name. And I was like, well, did the spirits know I'm a fucking feminist and I'm not going to change my last name? Here's the thing. What if you changed your first name back to Guinevere? When you I married? mean, <laughs> or here's what's funny. I've been thinking about, here's why I think maybe she maybe missed the mark a little bit. Cause I'm thinking about changing my last name to my mother's maiden name, which mm -hmm. is Derringer. So I, you know, I don't want to talk. I wasn't there to talk about romance. My, 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 cause I'm a very cool lady. And my main goal was to talk about where I might live someday. Right. Cause obviously I'm here. I can't be here forever. God help me if I am. And, you know, a couple of writing projects I'm working on, on the side, like how realistic are those projects in terms of actually going somewhere? And, uh, that's, that's what happens when you're 42. Those are the things you talk about when I was 14. I obviously was like, when am I getting a boyfriend? Oh yeah. Or uh, where's the devil? <laughs> that too. I have two questions for you. When am I going to be dating and a Satan in this room right now? Mm -hmm. And is he going to be my boyfriend? I actually did ask that yeah. at 14. So uh, what was the experience of the other ladies in attendance? Did they? Everyone was equally as blown away and, oh. sh and shooketh to their chorus. And mm -hmm. I would see this person again. I would definitely, oh, she said I was, she said I was very psychic and that I have to start doing tarot cards. She said too, too powerfully psychic. Wow. So I guess, I guess I have to do that. I don't know. You got some psychic energy. She's like, you got to let this out in a productive way because if she not, did. she did say look that. Out. She did say oh, that. Okay. Yeah. So I know, I know, I feel like, again, I feel like I'm just, I'm not quite getting the, like, if someone listened to this, I don't think they would they would be swayed at all by what I'm saying, but it's just, well, it's so it's, personal. It's just the experience. I mean, yeah. every single person, she said things. And again, y'all, she didn't know anybody's names because this was a party. The only person she knew was my mother. There's no way. I mean, people are sitting down and she's saying things like, Oh, when you, when you got your hysterectomy and your heart surgery. And these women was like, yes, I've had both of those things. Like, eh, come wow. on, that's, that's not, that's not too common a thing. I guess you could shoot that out into the world onto one person and nail it maybe, but I doubt it. She got, she nailed the medical conditions that were all quite specific for every single person talking about their, their issues and what they need to do and work on. I would love to meet her and I would wear a full body suit, like a beekeeper's uniform. So she can't see my body at all. Oh yeah. And then she can, you know, inquire about all of my medical issues. I would, I mean, I would just love, I just find this so interesting. Yeah. You know? Well, listen, I'll, I'll go again. If you, I'll see if we could set something up, if you want to do it, it's, I mean, it doesn't have to be a whole party. I'm not sure how yeah. she normally does it. If she has like an office of some kind of uh, a yurt, I don't know. feels like that's where a psychic would go. I mean, I have a birthday in January, so you do have one of those every year every year. Okay. Well, I'm glad you had a, a moving experience and you, you made some spooky snacks and Oh God, that's the best part. I'm so sorry. There was so much food. I, I saw, was that a, a salami rose that someone uh -huh. made that's, or a saw, pepperoni rose? <laughs> you, you saw a, both a salami rose and a pepper rose. That's, I mean, the attention to detail. You saw some dill dip with fake eyeballs in it. I you did see that. Uh, it was delicious. I I'm literally like when we're done recording, I can't wait to go eat more food. That's yeah. it's like, it feels like Thanksgiving where I'm like, Ooh, like it's I all love, in the refrigerator and i, I get love to... a, a nibbly love it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's great that is the good part about hosting parties uh occasionally is that there is leftover food so that's the only part <laughs> after we about. had the like bachelorette and bridal shower we had a lot of cheese left and spinach mm -hmm. dip and i just that's ate amazing. that for days it was great yeah. 
These mm-hmm. sirens are really at it today. Can you oh, hear them? Nope, we're on fire. All I hear is Lorraine snoring. Um, but yeah, okay, so here we are. We're here. We're here. And I'm I, queer. Get used to it. <laughs> she is. Look out. So we haven't recorded in a little while, and this is, I guess, technically our Halloween episode. So happy Halloween, uh, everybody. I don't know if that's going to be spooky enough. Marriage and psychics, maybe. I think uh, love is, is scary. Okay, love is scary. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I decided to pick a. I have a little file, and by file, I mean open tabs on Safari on my iPhone of potential topics because occasionally I can't sleep and I'll just look up different Jennifer related subject matter. So I looked up something that I thought would be appropriate given the time. And Jen, for this story, we're going back to 2005. 2005. I was 25 living in Los Angeles. So mm-hmm. peak Tisdale time. Very peak Tisdale. What color? Your hair was blonde. It was probably blonde. Okay. I was 20. So I was in college very much listening to Death Cab for Cutie and Rilo Kiley on repeat. I was living in an attic bedroom that had a slanted ceiling and we had a snowstorm and it snowed through the gap in the ceiling, which I didn't know was there. So that was me, 20 years old, little depressed, little college baby. Yeah. Um, but if, but if you're depressed and 20, having snow falling through your roof is ideal. I think it's, right. it's, it's going to create the ambiance for you to flop down on your bed dramatically and put on sad albums and be like, hmm, I guess it's also snowing. It's very emo. Uh, so what else was going on in the spring of 2005 besides our story today? Well, let me tell you, Brangelino went public with their relationship. Ugh. Didn't work out guys. Brad Pitt, not such a great guy. Mm-hmm. turns out. Pope John Paul II died on April 2nd, 2005. Ding dong. We love to see it. The first and second video were uploaded to a little site called YouTube. Really? Mm -hmm. I feel like I remember what the first video was. Not because I remember watching it, but it gets like. I think it was like a dating video. Like it started out as a possibly I please correct us if I'm wrong. I think it was meant to be like a video dating site in some degree huh okay and it was co-invented by an alum of the university of illinois where i was a student at the time uh popular movies releases in april 2005 when our story takes place sin city and mm-hmm. the amityville horror with ryan reynolds Ah, uh, yes that horrifying reboot nobody asked mm-hmm. for it we all got it we all got it i just remember the trailer where he had ridiculously insane abs yeah i mean i this might have been one of the first was this we were just getting to understand how hot ryan reynolds was yeah. as a man trying to kill his family which yeah isn't that isn't that how it always happens <laughs> question mark question mark these songs that were number one in april 2005 which i'll i'll give it to these songs it changed every week first week of april candy shop by 50 cent featuring olivia don't know what happened to olivia hope she's well switch by will smith which i've literally never heard of i've never i have never never in my life it was the number one song for one week in april 2005 this one not a good one beverly hills by weezer pretty bad weezer track i i do feel like i i don't care for weezer fans the same way that i don't care for dave matthews band fans they feel 
um, obsessed in a similar fashion, despite these mm. artists being vastly different. I just, and I, very I, mediocre. I also think I used to, I don't like them because I did used to sleep with a guy who had the giant W tattoo and it's actually Ooh. in that music video. So, you know, I'm just like, no, I thought no. you were about to drop and he was actually in Weezer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, I don't That's think anybody, I don't like them. But. It's me. And no, that is a thing that could have happened. At closing out the month, number one track, Hollaback Girl by Gwen <gasps> Stefani. Okay. 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 Now I have, I have, okay. I remember. Oh yeah. Okay. Sorry. I, a memory just flew into my head of a man that I briefly dated in Los Angeles who would just sing that song all the time, all the time. You know Bye. what? It taught all of us how to uniformly spell the word bananas. bananas? So we'll yeah. give it to her. Okay. So this story is the story of Jennifer Carol Wilbanks, AKA the runaway bride case. Yes. Oh. I'm telling this story because I just got married. <laughs> That's fine. Now, is this is, is this no relation to the hit motion picture Run, no. Runaway Bride starring Julia Roberts and no. Richard Gere reuniting for the first time since Pretty Woman? No. Okay. It is not. Is it not as jovial and lighthearted and not doesn't take place in Maryland? It does not take place in Maryland. It takes place in Georgia, mm. the state of Georgia. And I'm going to just tell you, this is a story of a bad Jennifer. Like a really bad one and not one of mine where I think they're bad and then we just end up feeling bummed out. Uh it's a little bit of a bummer, but you'll you'll see. And you may remember this as I get into the details. So Jennifer Wilbanks, she's 32 in April 2005. She's a medical assistant and she's engaged to John Mason, who's also 32. And they're set to be married on Saturday, April 30th, 2005 at Duluth United First Methodist Church. I forgot to list my sources. So let me go back. Hold on. Uh, there's a lot of them. Like I have a lot of citations. I did dig into the old Gale General One file using my DC Public Library card. So I'm just going to name the the sites and things that I used, and then um, we can post a more detailed list with our transcript. So uh, of course, Wikipedia, People.com, the New York Times, the Atlanta Journal Constitution, NBC News, ABC News, CBS News, Virginia Lawyers Weekly, People Magazine again, the Baptist Press. Oh, that's the one we're going to want to hit the hardest. (laughs) The Chicago Tribune and Ranker.com. Oh, Ranker made it in. What? what, No distractifying. (laughs) They were not around. Product placement. Okay. Yes. So they're engaged to be married Saturday, April 30th in Duluth, Georgia. The wedding had been described as the social event of the year in Duluth, which is a suburb of Atlanta of about 22,000 people. It's a half an hour northeast of Atlanta. And uh, things that I read said that they came from prominent families, which I think just means they were both rich. So it's supposed to be a pretty lavish wedding with 28 members in the bridal party. No, 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 no. That's 14 bridesmaids, 14 groomsmen. No, 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 no. And 600 guests. Okay, Jenny. It's too many. What church fits 600 people? Uh, The Duluth Duluth United United First Methodist Methodist. Church. Okay, yeah, great. 600 people. That's a lot. I'm going to just say my wedding much smaller than that. 
Yeah. I mean, at a 600 person wedding, you're going to have people having to eat at one table at a time. See, that's where that now makes sense. That's where that would make sense. That's where it would make sense. And that is a wedding where you'd be like, Jennifer and John, make sure that you eat because you're going to be so busy. Uh, Shaking those hands. Yeah. Okay. But on April 26, 2005, her fiance reports her missing two hours after she doesn't return from her evening jog. She'd left behind her cell phone, her wallet, and her engagement ring. Pretty normal things to leave behind if you're just going for a run. Yeah. Within hours of her going missing, police and the community are searching for her. Her family's on TV begging for her return. Within hours. Yeah. Did I mention that these are rich, white white Southern Mm. families? Within hours. They're saying it's not like her to disappear. And it starts getting media attention because, again, she's a missing white lady from a rich family. And of course, everyone in town suspects that her fiance, John has done something to her because he's the last one to see her. And it's usually the husband or fiance or boyfriend. And the Lacey Peterson case is still really Mm. fresh in everyone's mind. That happened in 2002. And for three days, the search for Jennifer dominates the news with all kinds of speculation on her whereabouts, but there's no sign of her. So just to get into a little bit more of the timeline. So she disappears on the evening of April 26th. On April 27th, the day after her disappearance, 250 people took part in a search for her. Local police speculated publicly that her disappearance could be a case of the premarital jitters, but the search continued because they didn't have evidence to indicate anything. The mayor of Duluth later reported that the city spent between $40,000 and $60,000 in the search. Uh, also on April 27th, police received numerous pieces of evidence that turned out later to be false leads, including large clumps of dark brown hair, which Jennifer had in an area next to a retention pond, some clothing and purported murder weapons, but none of these check out. What, like, what do you, when you say purported murder weapons, all I'm picturing is like, well, I'm picturing like clue. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. There was a candlestick. There was a wrench. There was a gun. There was a rope. Just means they found like a loose knife somewhere and we're Just like, oh, what's supported. this? Yeah, the classics, all the classics. It's the Duluth knife. That's what it is. It's no one got killed. On April 28th, Major Donald L. Woodruff of the city's Duluth Police Department announced that because there were no other explanations, her disappearance was being handled as a criminal investigation. The FBI and the Georgia Bureau of Investigation were now involved in the case. She's been missing for two days. Well, you know what they say. I'm about to get us the $25,000 hit from the FCC. No body, no crime. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that, but okay, it's a crime. On April 29th, which is Friday, that's the day before her planned wedding, uh, her relatives offer a $100,000 reward for information leading to her return, and they start planning vigils. But later that night, Jennifer's family receives a phone call from Albuquerque, New Mexico. It was about 11.30 p.m. in Albuquerque, which is 1.30 a.m. where they are in Atlanta. It was a collect call from Jennifer saying that she had been kidnapped. Do you, do you accept this charge? No, it's like you're you are getting a collect call from it's Jennifer being kidnapped. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do you accept this charge? And it's like, ugh, I guess. What, is, what are we looking guess. at? A dollar a minute? Yeah, uh, it's a lot. Jennifer's stepfather 
Roger Parrish answers the phone. I mean, again, it's the one thirty in the morning and another relative knocks on John Mason's bedroom door to tell him that his fiance was found alive and that she's on the phone and he runs out. <laughs> she's on the phone. That's not the whole story. He's on the phone. She's on the phone guys. She's on the horn. So they hand uh, John, the fiance, the phone, and he asks her where she is and she can only answer. I'm not in Duluth. She doesn't know. Uh, John reports that Jennifer said she could see a Domino's pizza restaurant and that she was at a gas station. Mace, uh, John said, quote, I was just trying to calm her down as much as I could to keep her on the phone. She said she was fine. Uh, Jennifer tells John she was grabbed from behind and that abductors cut her hair. A few minutes later at 1138 p.m. local time, according to police, Jennifer calls 911 after her family's like, you got to call 911. And did they accept the charges? <laughs> I don't, I think it's toll free. Oh, okay. Officers meet her at the gas station. And when they told them who she was, they recognized her from news reports because it's been all over the news. Local police call the FBI and Jennifer is taken to the Albuquerque police headquarters where she's interviewed by violent crime investigators from both agencies. By this time, it's near 1 a.m. in New Mexico, which is 3 a.m. in it, like in Atlanta, where her family is. Jennifer is wearing a gray sweatshirt. Her hair has been cut, but to officers, it was obvious that she had cut it herself or someone had cut it. Like it wasn't done professionally. Uh, days earlier. <laughs> so in Duluth, residents had found a clump of cut hair behind a medical office that officers said was consistent with Will Banks's hair. Jennifer tells investigators that she had been abducted by a white woman and a Hispanic van driving a blue van while out jogging three days before and bound with rope in the back of the van with before trigger warning being raped by the Hispanic man and forced to perform sexual acts on the blonde woman. So she's very specific. According to two officers reports, she went into great detail about her position on the floor in the back of the van and her surroundings, including what she could see out of the van windows and the Spanish music playing. To be safe, the officers alert, uh, issue an alert for the van, but FBI special agent Bill Elwell uh, said Jennifer's story was immediately full of holes. The officers pressed a little more and Jennifer confesses rather quickly that she was lying. And by 3.30 a.m. in New Mexico, police had the real story of Jennifer's disappearance. So after initially claiming she was violently kidnapped, Jennifer confessed that she had planned the whole thing, leaving for her run on Tuesday evening with $140 in cash and taking a taxi to Hartsfield-Jackson Airport Tuesday night. At the airport, she boarded a Greyhound bus to Las Vegas, which is about a two-day drive from Atlanta. Once there, she decided to go to Albuquerque with a couple she befriended, perhaps on the trip from Atlanta. Uh, Special Agent Elwell said that, I guess she felt comfortable in their company. Jennifer ends up at 3rd and Gold Streets in Albuquerque, where she hires a taxi to take her to a hotel. The driver told her, that hotels in the area were full because of a big convention. Uh, we can speculate maybe a, what's a good convention? Furries. Yes. And took her to an area of smaller hotels where she might find a room. The driver drops her off. She walks a few blocks, less than a mile, 
to a 7-Eleven convenience store. And by this time she's out of money. <laughs> and I don't think she thought this far ahead. And, but like, if you think about, I, it doesn't seem like I could get this far today on a, with $140. Mm. I, I mean, that would actually be your cab to the airport. Yeah. Maybe you get a really good saver fare on Greyhound. Yeah. I mean, you take, you're taking a cab to the airport and a Greyhound basically across the country because Las Vegas is almost... Yeah, Almost it's pretty the other far. Side of the country. It's a two days ride. It's pretty yeah. far. So, wow, really, just I, I think really, I think the real villain in this story is capitalism, mm, as always. If I'm honest. So she ends up at the Seven Eleven convenience store, and she makes the decision to tell her, to call her family to tell them that she's been kidnapped. When asked why Jennifer had done this, FBI special agent Ewell said. The stresses of the event, the planning, and all that goes into planning this big event just got the better of her. She was taken to a local hospital to be checked out. And on Saturday, the day of the wedding, the public, who was ravenous for information about this, was treated to pictures of her being escorted through the airport. Instead of a bridal veil, she wore a wide-striped blanket over her head, looking like a criminal. The media has a field day in the days and weeks after because everyone's been worried about her. All this effort has gone into finding her and they find out that she just made all of this up. Uh, a lot of people call for her to be arrested and charged for lying. The New York- at the very least, you have to pay back all of the money mm-hmm. that the city spended looking for your fucking ass. The New York Post calls her Jilton Jen. New York, uh, New York Post, come on now. I, I Look, you're garbage, but I come to you for your puns and your wordplay. And that one just, no. Nope. I'm sure I'm sure they did worse and they did it probably offensively. I'm going to send you, this picture of her was very famous. Um, I'm going to send you the, you'll see what she looks like. And I don't want to offer any judgment regarding her appearance, but it's very... This, well, these pictures are very memorable. I do want to. I do want to say that, like, I do. I don't mind. Okay, she does have. Am I looking at a doll? An action figure? Do you see that? Oh yeah, we're gonna talk about that. Okay, just look at uh, her picture. The I first am. picture. This is p- the picture most people saw of her, and she has very she wide eyes. Yeah. she looks. Uh, her oh. eyes are very big. Some people have speculated that she has Graves disease, which causes some bulging of the eyes. To me, it doesn't look like that. No, uh, they're not. They're not bulging. No, they're, she's just she very just, wide. eyed They're quite wide at all times. She also looks a tiny bit like, um, oh gosh, the woman from Flashdance, a teen Jennifer thing. Beals. Oh yeah, um, I could see that. I could see Jennifer Beals playing. Her yeah, if Jennifer, if, if Jennifer Beals did a Lifetime movie, uh, this would be the one for her. Yeah. So this picture is very memorable, obviously. And so a lot of people just remember her like wide-eyed look. I, re- I remember this as I'm yeah. looking at her photo. I remember this. And they're like, oh, we should have known. She looks a little crazy, which of course people love to say about women in general. Yeah. But again, she's, we'll talk more about the, the harm that she caused. So some people decide to capitalize on this uh, media circus. One man decides to sell his parents' wedding invitation on eBay. Oh, wow. It sells to the website Golden Palace for $355. There's some novelty merchandise as well, including Jennifer's high tail and hot sauce. 
produced by an outfit called Pappy's Peppers in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And as you saw in the Google search, a runaway bride action figure released by HeroBuilders.com. The first 250 action figures of which priced at $24.95 each sold out as soon oh. as they were released the month after this story broke. The the outfit that she's wearing, the the doll that I that I just saw before I didn't click on the image. It also vaguely looks like the outfit that the doll from Weird Science is wearing. Oh. And I'm just <laughs> curious. Uh, because it's like a, a little exercise outfit. And I get it. Maybe they're yeah. like she she's running away. We need her to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um it's very funny. Yeah they put her in a, a midriff jogging shirt. Yeah that says oh, Vegas that's right, baby. Oh, yeah, she was Vegas jogging. Baby. That's mm-hmm. right. The media is also thrilled to learn that she has a bit of a criminal history, mm-hmm. which, you know, nothing violent. Uh, she was charged with shoplifting on three occasions in the 90s. Who among us? Every you single. Know. I'm sorry. Have you ever been to a Claire's boutique and not walked <laughs> out with something in your pocket? I dare you. Uh, including one case in which she allegedly swiped $1,740 in merchandise from a mall. The mall of course, was not yet gone at the time. She also served two weekends in jail after pleading guilty to shoplifting $98 in merchandise from a store in 1998. And in 1996, she was charged with misdemeanor shoplifting for allegedly taking $37 in merchandise from a Walmart in Gainesville, Georgia. Um, She comes from money. So this was probably more for fun. Yeah. Acting out. But John, her fiance, uh, for his part, he's glad to have Jennifer back safely. He's no longer under suspicion of doing something. And the f- even though she literally ran away from him and their wedding, she he tells Fox News' Sean Hannity, gross. Oh, God, that's disgusting. Yeah. That the first thing he did when he saw Will Banks again was give her the engagement ring she had left behind to show that he still wanted to marry her. He said, quote, just because we haven't walked down the aisle, just because we haven't stood in front of the 500 people and said our I do's, my commitment before God to her was the day I bought that ring and put it on her finger. And I'm not backing down from that now. So he's still all in, even though. Well, I, I guess if you're spinning it, is it about to get worse? Because I guess if you, you could say to yourself, this is a very extreme form of of panic and freaking out. And, and if you want to tell yourself that that's all that was, it's unfortunate that she told such egregious lies. Yeah. The, the whole thing in the van's pretty alarming. Yeah. <laughs> so to implicate, you know, it's not going to take much for any sort of police department to go after an Hispanic man, unfortunately. And it's always white women who are, when they're lying, they're always saying a person of color. And we're going to get into that a little oh, bit. Okay. So in her first public interview, which is in May 2005, with John at her side, and she's interviewed by Katie Couric, lover. She shares mm-hmm. a birthday with me. So when Katie asks her how she came up with the fictitious abductors, a Hispanic man and a blonde female, Jennifer quips that maybe she had seen, quote, too many cops and robbers movies. Oh, yeah. You know, those classic cops and robbers movies where you abduct women and yeah. don't actually do any robbing. But according to an FBI report uh, obtained in a state open records request, we love a good FOIA request Mm -hmm. from Gwinnett County authorities. Uh, She was describing a couple she had noticed while riding on the Greyhound bus. So she just saw a Hispanic man and a woman and was like, I'm just going to describe them. 
She also tells Katie Couric that her family didn't make her have such a big wedding. And they said that they could do it however they wanted, but this is what Jennifer wanted at the time. But according to another document, she told FBI agents that she had been stressed about the wedding since before she disappeared. She said that she was, quote, concerned that she would not have enough time to complete all the final arrangements because she only had one day off from work to get ready. And that day was the day she disappeared. She had appointments with a hairstylist, manicurist, a dress fitting, and a meeting about the rehearsal dinner. So she just ran away. Yeah, I mean, she did still get her hair done. (laughs) Yeah, she did. little DIY. Yeah. The FBI report also stated that in addition to everything she does, she's always expected to be perfect and worries about meeting those expectations. I just, I couldn't have less sympathy for this asshole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm so, so sorry that you have so much money and people want you to be checks notes. Perfect. Which I doubt very seriously. That's the case, but okay. And look, planning a wedding is stressful. I get that, but don't drag your family through all of this pain and then drag uh, an entire community through the mud by saying that someone committed violence against you. Just like, I don't know, check into a hotel and be like, I'm not coming home, you know? It's- yeah. Or you know what? Take two days off from work. Why are we just taking, it sounds like two to three days off of work would be a lot better than this bullshit. Yep. So Jennifer was charged with one felony, making false statements and a misdemeanor, making a false report of a crime. The maximum punishment for the first charge was five years in prison. And the second would have given her one year in jail. The authorities also wanted her to pay a fine of four to $3,000 in order to cover part of what they spent searching for her. But her lawyer negotiated some kind of deal she pleaded no contest to the chargers and wound up with two years of probation 250 hours of community service and to undergo continuing mental health counseling a judge also ordered her to pay the sheriff's office two thousand five hundred fifty dollars to cover some of the costs of searching for her and she also agreed to pay thirteen thousand two hundred fifty dollars to the city of duluth georgia uh, after admitting the truth about and dealing with the media circus surrounding it, Will Banks admitted her to herself to an inpatient treatment program. While there, she worked on a number of mental and physical issues that caused her to fake her own kidnapping. She also issued a public apology to her family and friends and the people of Duluth, Georgia, but I did not find any record of her making any kind of apology to anyone in the Hispanic community to which she caused mm-hmm. real harm. And I want to talk a little bit about that because this is, I, she caused harm to her family, no doubt. Yep. And I don't, which I don't really care about. This is the, I think the worst thing that she did. So can I, can I ask one question before mm-hmm. you, do we ever find out because this is, you know, there's the art, there's, a, there's all this discussion and Kanye is the best example of what exactly is uh, a symptom of mental illness, what behavior mm-hmm. is and is not. Obviously, we've all established that being a racist piece of shit is not a symptom of any mental illness whatsoever. None. I don't recognize the behavior that she's exhibiting and I'm not a goddamn doctor, so that doesn't mean anything, but I'm curious as if whether or not you found a diagnosis, an official diagnosis. I did not, um, only that she was undergo- under extreme stress. I suspect that she doesn't really have a mental illness and that she's just an entitled asshole, which mm-hmm. go ahead. Be. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. It's okay. So at one point, um, and I, I could not find a name for this person, but a, a local leader in the Hispanic community, not only demanded an apology, 
but said that she should be made to perform community service in a Hispanic neighborhood. I don't know that that actually happened. Lisa Navarrete, spokeswoman for the National Council of La Raza in Washington, D.C., hey, told NBC News, quote, that her story speaks to how Latinos are perceived in society. Americans only know minority communities, particularly Latino communities, through stereotypes, through images in the media. If people keep being portrayed as criminals, as undocumented immigrants or criminals or gang members, that's what we tend to believe. And such that uh, we would call this a racial hoax. They are not actually rare. Uh, and Catherine Russell Brown, a law professor at the University of Florida who wrote The Color of Crime, which is a book documenting 67 such cases that occurred between 1987 and 1986. Uh, she said, quote, you don't typically see the Hispanic criminal in terms of a hoax case, but she does, but she put this duo together and it's got this resonance. It's still this idea of a criminal element that is colored, end quote. The majority of cases like this involving a racial hoax involve a white person falsely accusing a black person. For example, and there's many of these, in 1989, a Boston man, Charles Stewart, inflamed racial tensions when he claimed he and his pregnant wife, Carol, had been shot in their car by a black robber. And it turned out that Stewart was the culprit, throwing himself off of a bridge as police zeroed in on him. And sadly, this isn't the uh, last time that a high profile case like this has featured a white woman faking a kidnapping with racist overtures. This has been in the news recently on November 2nd, 2016, mother of two, Sherry Papini went oh, missing. Oh, yes. She just went to court. I mm -hmm. She went missing after going out again out for a jog mm -hmm. this was in Redding, california only to turn up three weeks later saying that she'd been kidnapped abused and held by two hispanic women she had in fact been staying with an ex-boyfriend unlike jennifer she continued to, to deny that it was a hoax stuck to her story despite other evidence before she finally admitted it and in september of this year 2022 she was sentenced to 18 months in prison and fined three hundred thousand dollars and her husband divorced her good so. all around yeah so unfortunately missing white woman syndrome persists these cases get a lot of attention because these are affluent white women who go missing and in these two cases they blamed it on uh minority communities for harming them and they really just need to get their fucking shit together so it's, it's as if it reminds, it's just when you've had no real strife, no mm -hmm. real strife, mm -hmm. I feel like part of what happens in these situations is you need to invent it. Mm -hmm. and, and this is obviously very damaging, but you know, it just feels like that's what's happening. I don't yeah. know why you want to be in pain if you don't have to be in pain or do this, but I just find that when people have seemingly no problems this kind of weird sideways shit happens yeah and they then try to get out of it by just making up the worst story they possibly could because they know that people will believe them yep because they're nice white ladies who mm -hmm. went missing mm -hmm. so all right so what happened after this ordeal dies down so jennifer completes her community service uh 
after a year of trying to mend their relationship, John Mason and Jennifer Wilbanks part ways in May 2006. I hope we got that ring back. <laughs> Jennifer actually refused to confirm or deny the split to People Magazine at the time. And God bless people. They write, aside from the possible collapse of her love life, she told People, things are great. <laughs> I don't know. We don't, I just don't even need that sentence, people. Come on. Things are great. Uh, In September 2006, Jennifer files a lawsuit against John Mason, her former fiance, claiming that while she was hospitalized following the trip she took to avoid her own wedding. The trip she took. That's how we're (laughs) describing that. Okay, go ahead. Mason obtained power of attorney and took over her finances because, I don't know, he probably thought she was unwell. And he made a deal with Reagan Media to sell their story for $500,000, she alleged. And he used the money to purchase a house for them in I don't know if it's it looks like Dracula without an R I'm like it's probably like Dracula or it's not Dracula but I like that it's looks like Dracula in Dracula Georgia where the couple lived for several months uh, Jennifer was seeking half of the money made in the deal plus an additional additional $250,000 in punitive damages this, this bitch you not only mm-hmm. you know I was about to lie and say I don't like to say that I, I do I do appreciate that word when put to good use and it's happening yeah. right now right now she also get this wanted to reclaim some personal items from the home including wedding gifts the couple received oh I can't like th- see this is also what I'm talking about the 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 gall the unmitigated gall Mm -hmm. she was like really it was my bridal shower so i should get the waffle maker okay cool and i bet her parents wrote a big fat check uh covering all of the damages she had to pay before it would be nice if that was on her uh john mason for his part denied that he stole the money and he filed a counterclaim saying that he should receive money for being left at the altar and his emotional suffering they later dropped the suits so Mm -hmm. Um, but John Mason, he turned out okay. Uh, on March 15, 2008, he got married to Shelly Martin, a woman he met through his cousin. This time, his, the wedding was small and held at his family's home, not a 600-guest-filled mm-hmm. one. In 2010, Jennifer Wilbanks wound up in headlines again when she filed for bankruptcy. Not a crime. Lots of people file for bankruptcy. She was $30,000 in debt. And living off of a small stipend provided to her by her live-in boyfriend. That year, she posted on Facebook that she had, quote, found love at last. How how does that conversation go? This guy, if she's from the area, if he's from the area, he's probably heard this. Well, I guess, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where somebody was I was somebody in some Facebook group that I'm in some weird group. I'm only on Facebook to be in very strange Facebook groups. And somebody trotted out that classic. So-and-so has a broken picker. And it's like, no, 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 no one has a broken picker. They just are some fucked up thing that, that, that that allows them or forces them to ignore red flags or to Mm -hmm. accept shitty behavior because they, they want something in their lives. So I'm going to give this dum-dum, this guy that she was with the benefit of the doubt and be like something happened to this guy where he's like, I don't know. These red flags look kind of cozy. Like I could turn them into a sweater. Yeah. For Jennifer. So she fell in love with a man named Greg Hudson who owned a landscaping company and they did get married. Uh, But according to people magazine, they quietly divorced in April, 2021. So they were together for 11 years. Oh, wow. That's that's not a, 
unsignificant oh, you know what did it it was the pandemic like something happened during the pandemic and that was it that was it for greg they were both like i can't have this person in my home so now 17 years later after this whole ordeal she brought upon herself she is living quietly in gainesville georgia and working as a human resources director at a telecommunications staffing agency where she has worked since 2015. And that is the story of Jennifer Carol Wilbanks, AKA the runaway bride. Wow. Well done. Well researched. Thank Jenny, you. Great job. Imagine going to this woman with a human resources issue. I cannot. <laughs> I mean, I feel like maybe she would have some empathy for difficult situations. I don't think she does. Maybe you know, she... you're right. Probably no, not. After the, after the suing, I don't think there's anything in that. Yeah. All. So anyway, uh, I didn't want to tell that before I got married, just in case it set off any alarm bells. But now that I'm, you know, signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours, Tisdale. Uh, Well, that was, that was good. That was, you know, it's funny that I, after on the heels of the psychic talking about marriage and I was like, um, but yeah. Okay. That's, she is a bad Jennifer. You said there was sadness, but not, no sadness for her whatsoever. Not, not for her sadness okay. for the harm she caused. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Gosh. Okay. And so, wow. I don't know. I don't know. How, I don't know how to process that information. I'm so I'm just, yeah. Well, how about just a quick, uh, what are you doing for Halloween? update i will be at a vampire ball in new orleans you've been planning this for months and months sure i'm so excited for you what is your outfit that you've been planning for months look like it's a it's a it's a very simple beautiful off the shoulder maroon color dress and i did i'm getting some hair and some makeup and my custom-made vampire teeth should be arriving this week I'm so thrilled from uh, Victor Foray because that's what that's that guy's name for sure. Uh, no it, it. it has to be. There's a Victor involved in that, and you oh, will be the Victor. Thank you. Even more exciting. I get a text from my friend Andrew, an Andrew who lives in New Orleans, uh, and this was I want to say Friday night. And it just says, um, are you aware Corey Feldman is performing on the 30th when you're, (laughs) when you're here? And I just wrote back, are we going, we have to go, please come. And then I thought I'd throw out author of choreography as if his incredibly wordy, a memoir would somehow be like, look, I'm sure the music's bad. But are you, are you hearing this fucking wordplay on this autobiography? I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. I, and, and then he wrote back, I, I can't do that. And I said, why is like, haven't you heard his music? And I was, I was like, yeah, it does. That's not why you're going. You're going for the vibes. Go for the vibes. vibes. Go for the story. So I mean, what I am going to do that by myself. I think I love it. And have I am. A, con- have I'm a cocktail. Cons- have fun. <laughs> I'm con- I am considering the VIP meet and greet, which is an, an exorbitant amount of money for a man who I love only for like three motion pictures. And, and so I don't know. I mean, we'll when in New Orleans, you know, when in New Meet Orleans, Corey Feldman, I am doing karaoke the day before Halloween. We rented a room at, it sounds like a sex party. We rented a room and don't invited a bunch of our friends. Yes. <laughs> we rented a private room karaoke and are uh, doing some 
doing some costume karaoke. So I actually have two costumes for the weekend because I might mm. go to a friend's party if I can manage to leave the house at 10 p.m. We'll see. Yeah. But, oh, I forgot to tell you one thing and we should, we could just end on this because when we were watching Interview with the Vampire, like, you know, they're kind of setting the stage and and neither of us are that familiar with the source material. Uh, the interviewer who's played by Eric Bogosian, he like sets wood out bone, his- Woodbone, Woodbone, Woodbone. Wood, absolutely. He wood sets bone. out his little like USB mic and I turn to Michael and I say, oh, they're doing a podcast. And he, <laughs> without a beat goes- too many vampires <laughs> it was perfect it was perfect uh, and i've been waiting to tell you since it happened and i almost uh, forgot but there it i is. mean that is the dream it's the dream <laughs> okay so jen where can people find us do you think should i tell them I mean, are you talking about our socials? Because you know, I don't know any of that. Yeah. Well, thank you for the opportunity for me to share that you can follow us on Instagram at Too Many Jennifers, on Twitter at Too Many Jays Pod. Uh, If you have any spooky stories, we love them all year round. Email Too Many Jennifers Pod at gmail.com. And good Tisdale. Where can else can you find us? You can find us on a bus on our way to Las Vegas or going to the mall. We're going to the mall! Happy Halloween!